Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury free and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast with me, Molly Herford, and I am so excited to bring back on Feisty Media's Sarah Gross. So you've probably heard me and Sarah talk several times on this podcast in the past, and that's because in addition to being the Feisty Media founder, Sarah has also just been in the entrepreneurial world for so long. She's just so good at figuring out how to go from small business to big business, and this episode goes everywhere. We are talking about e-courses again. Now that the Strong course is out, we're talking about what she learned from the Fueled e-course, what she took into Strong, and what she sort of left behind in Fueled. Super interesting. We also talk about Kona. If you missed it, the Women's Ironman World Championships were in Kona without the men this year. Huge deal. Awesome, awesome event. Highly recommend catching up on it. But not only was that happening, Feisty Media was there on the ground, kind of doing a ton of the media around it. So we talked all about how you make an event like that really go viral in a fun, empowering kind of way. So such a good conversation for anyone who's trying to kind of get off the ground with their social media. We talk about what it means to uh, quote unquote, be authentic on social media uh, while actually still getting the work done. And we also talked about the women's leadership program that Sarah just completed at Yale. Uh, how that was, top takeaways, and of course what she's taking from that, bringing into the feisty business conference that is happening. 
uh, at the Endurance Summit with USA Triathlon. That's happening on January 4th and 5th. Uh, you can find more about that at feistybusiness.com. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. Uh, highly recommend if you're in the North Carolina area, whether or not you're planning on going to the summit itself, really worth checking out uh, the Feisty Conference if you want to hang out with a bunch of like-minded women. And finally, before we get into this chat, uh, I actually have a huge favor to ask of you, uh, our wonderful, wonderful listeners. Uh, we would love it if you would just take a quick survey about this podcast. Uh, we're just trying to figure out what, uh, you know, what you're excited about, what you want to hear more of, what questions you have. Uh, really just as we kind of figure out the the direction of this podcast sort of going forward heading into 2024 uh, we really just want to be able to serve you in the best way possible bring you the content that is actually genuinely helping you grow your business start your business uh, so if you could take two minutes and fill out that survey that would be super super helpful uh, you can grab it just heading over to the show notes on this episode wherever you are listening to it or you can head to business or at business.of.fitness on Instagram or head over to me at Molly J. Herford. Uh, I will have links in both of those bios to take it. Uh, just a quick Google form. It'll take you two seconds. Totally anonymous uh, unless you want to add who you are. But I would just love to know who's listening to this, what you do, what you want to do. Uh, just so we can kind of figure out the best ways to bring you content that's really helping you hit those goals. All right, without further ado, enjoy this episode with Sarah and thank you in advance for filling out the survey. I appreciate you. All right, Sarah, welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I realize you are now like officially by far the the most uh, common guest. I think you've been on like four times at this point, but that's it's important. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Molly. And thank you for the honor of being the most common repeat guest. <laughs> repeat. That's the word I was going for. And I, <laughs> and I love talking to you. I think you're like, you're like one of the best interviewers and I love our conversation. So very happy well, to be here. It's so much fun because I know you're so passionate about this entrepreneurial space, especially mm -hmm. in the fitness industry, bringing more women, not just into sport as athletes, but into sport in just like every level of the industry. And I mean, it's been a wild season since the last time we had a catch up here. I mean, you launched the new Strong e-course. You were at Kona with doing a ton of watch the women stuff. You've been, you know, doing some continuing ed and you have the feisty business conference coming up. So much going on. Um, how the heck are you balancing it all? How are you keeping track of everything going on? There's also holiday merch. Oh my gosh, just so many things. <laughs> how did you know about the holiday merch? <laughs> Very exciting. Um, no, I honestly, like it's been a wild season. You said wild season. I feel like that is the accurate description, even of like the growth we've seen in women's sports broadly, mm -hmm. like women's sports business, women's sports, being media, you know, just like the general attention being spent on women's sports has grown in the last year exponentially. Mm -hmm. And I think we expect it to continue. So it's been super fun kind of like watching that, but also being part of it too, because that's the, like, that's the playground that we play in. So ah. um, yeah, I think it's good. And to answer your actual question, it's honestly like, I have a good team. That's what it is. So, you know, it's like when you see, because people ask, even, even in Kona itself, when we were at the Ironman World Championship, people are asking, how are you doing? 
how are you doing all of this? I see you everywhere, right? Like we had a pop-up shop, we were hosting events, we were we were pumping out like four to six reels a day. We were, we were doing a pot, we did nine podcasts in seven days. And it's like, how are you doing this? It's like, well, I'm not doing it, <laughs> right? There right. are, like, we had a team of eight in Kona and that's it, right? Is it's figuring out, okay, what needs to get done? Who's going to do what? Who's best at what? Divide and conquer. So that really is the secret behind how we are doing this is that I have a great team who are working really hard, right? Yeah, yeah. And it seems like you've been really able to capitalize on different moments, right? You also launched the Feist, the newsletter that's kind of covering current women's sports stuff. So it really does seem like you have a really good finger on the pulse of what's happening and then what do we need to do as like almost the immediate like follow-up. Right. I love that you mentioned the feist because that really was a moment where we, you know, we are as a business, we were like in a place where we were developing products, right? Which means that we're investing a lot of money, which means that we're like spending money faster than we're making money, essentially, um, which is obviously a place you don't want to stay forever in a business. So like right in the middle of this moment where I'm thinking, okay, online courses are the next thing. We're going to invest all this money into it, putting so much team time into it. I'm like, oh, the women's sports world is growing. Like we just met, like we just talked about. And I think we need to act now on doing mm-hmm. this new content strategy around the feist and the and the newsletter, essentially. And that's probably not going to bring in any money for a, a while. <laughs> right? So you have this, like, that was a big decision for me is this like, are we going to put money into something? Do we have, do we have, I mean, I knew it was the right time and the right moment, but there's that risk involved. And so- that's the piece where it's like, you have to use your instincts, right? Or like, this is the, this, I feel like I'm being a cliche about this is the moment. Like we need, we want our newsletter to be in there. We want to be one of the first, we want to be like covering women's sports from what I think people are going to look back and see as kind of the beginning of when we went from like 4% percent. We saw that recent report. I think we all saw it like 4% of media coverage being on women's sports um, in I forget what the time range was. Uh, it was definitely 2016, maybe even 2020, and then up to 15% now, you know? Yeah. So like, we want to be in there now. <laughs> so yep. it's go time. Let's start a newsletter. <laughs> yeah, which I think is just such an interesting thing because it's not always the perfect, you're so rarely going to have the perfect time to start something in terms of like actual, like, okay, here's the right time in the world to start this and the right time for me to start this based on what I have going on in my life. Um, That's exactly how I felt with Strong Girl Publishing this year too. Like Mm. so much other stuff going on, definitely did not really have the time for it, but it felt like it was the right moment to do that. So Mm -hmm. here we are. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's an excellent point actually. And I did not know that. I don't realize for you that that was the same kind of decision that you had made around, you know, strong girl publishing because congratulations, by the way, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It just seemed like, you know, you're looking at Tour de France Femmes, you're looking at the excitement around Kona, you're looking at, you know, WNBA interest, all of this, like, it really feels like we're in this moment in time where like now is the time to, to go, go hard on this stuff really. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I agree. I often think like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, like I often think like entrepreneurship's like um, bike racing <laughs> a little bit where you're like, you're like grinding away. You're doing the training. First of all, you're eating all the right things. You're like day in, day out grinding away, even in the race. Like let's say you're doing a longish road race. Like you're just, you're sitting in the pack. You're like, the you're pedaling. <laughs> 
right? You're pedaling, but actually like knowing like when, when is the moment you need to gear up or gear down if you're hitting it? Like when is the moment you need mm-hmm. to shift gears in some way and just go like recognizing that can be the difference between winning and losing. Exactly. So I think like, I think we're actually hitting on something really important here that like, you're really just preparing yourself for a moment where you need to hit go a lot of the time. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, Okay, so let's get into like the granular. The strong course just came out. Um, you know, it's been, uh, you know, huge success so far. You know, this is like the second iteration of e-courses you've been doing. What have you learned since the last time we talked about e-courses? Were there any major changes? Have you like shifted how you're doing stuff? Or is it just like, oh, thank God, we know what we're doing a little bit more now and it's a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah. So there is a little bit of that. Like the second time you build a course is going to be easier than the first time you build a course. But honestly, in terms of execution, especially in terms of what we do with the community that is taking the course together has been just this massive learning curve. So, excuse me, for example, with Fueled, we had we had expert sessions sprinkled throughout both of the cohorts of Fueled. Fueled was the first course that we did. Mm-hmm. And we found that people just didn't come. Like we would have, we had sometimes, you know, 200 people say in a cohort and we'd have nine people on the expert call, right? I'm like, okay, this is something that people aren't that interested in. You know, that's fine. So when we launched strong, we had a really quote unquote strong launch Uh, and, (laughs) and a pretty big cohort in there for the first group. And they, we left the comments open on the course. So they are, like going through the course together. And at the beginning, it's great because you it allows for everyone who's taking the course together to talk to each other, right? But the other thing it allows for is for them to just randomly ask questions all the time about things they are and are not understanding about the course. And we hadn't set up these expert sessions because last time that didn't go very well and people did not attend. So it was like, okay, you know, now. And so then I did like, and then what I did is like, brought the experts back in, had them go through the course, like go through the, some of the questions that were being asked in their sections of the course and then answering them, right? Mm-hmm. So that that was like one solution. I was, I was easily able to solve that problem. Um, so then in the second time, now we've had our second cohort going through strong. And what we did was have like a launch call with everybody who had just purchased the course. Like, so we do, you know, it's for sale, say for eight to 10 days. I think in this case, it was about for sale for about eight days. And then two day, a day or two after the sale ended, boom, like you can come to a meeting and meet everyone. You can meet your instructor. You can meet everyone who's on the course with you if you want to. And we also opened up a Facebook group for them to join and talk to each other. Right. And that actually was very well attended. Okay. (laughs) So like you can see, and this is just like, we're randomly like trying things, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, this isn't a plan. It's like, what, what are people actually going to respond to? People aren't actually able to tell you what they're going to respond to. So what we learned there was that like, actually we have to capitalize on the excitement of the the folks who just purchased the course. They're keen to get started. They want to talk to someone, you know, they're maybe in there doing the first module. So, so Mm -hmm. that actually has gone so far (laughs) uh, quite a bit better in terms of how we create community around around the course itself. So that, that's, so that's one that. big learn for us. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think that's, it's like the, the faster you can get that community vibe going, the better for sure. 
Yeah. And for Feisty, I love community vibe. Like, I feel like that is really what we're about. So having people randomly, like in a course, talking to each other and then just like leaving them to their own devices was very against my kind of instincts. Um, sometimes there's there's budget issues, right? Like you can't just endlessly provide value. But, you know, as much as we can, we try to. So just, just figuring out like how to continue that. Yeah, yeah. Were you nervous with the Facebook group? Because I know like there have been other communities that have had like issues with Facebook groups, right? Like very quick, like it sort of takes like one person being like a bit of a negative Nelly or something. And now suddenly you're in there moderating half, of the, like spending half your time moderating. So it is definitely like, it's a decision. Like it is, is a decision. clearly a good decision, but it's definitely like a little scary. Right. So in this particular case with, I think there's, I think we sold this, this cohort has about 230, 40 people in it. And there's about just a little over 200 who now have joined the Facebook group. So it is kind of a closed environment. So I think Mm -hmm. so far we've managed to avoid that kind of thing. We have on all of our Facebook groups, we have a a no assholes rule, um, which is kind of like, yeah, like you can't, you're allowed to have differences of opinion, but you can't be calling someone names um, if they have a difference of opinion. When that tends to get unruly is in the bigger groups. So for example, yes. our hit play, not pause group has, I think maybe 25,000 people in it. Yeah. And it does get, there's a lot of moderating involved um, and it does get unruly sometimes. And we do actually have to give people warnings or kick them out if they yeah. you know you have to kind of stand top of that it's like it's not you can have a difference of opinion but you can't call someone a name in our group no yeah yeah well I think you're right the the smaller groups are definitely easier to it takes away a lot of like the anonymity like when you have a group of 50,000 it's very easy to kind of feel very anonymous in it but when it's 200 like you sort of know all of the the key players for sure yeah yeah yeah, love that. I'll tell you and, how it continues to go because, yeah. you know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and I think like what's so important about this conversation is just that, you know, you did the first course, you could have just stayed at that exact course and just been like, okay, well, maybe next time the expert talks will, you know, will go differently. And they very well could have. Mm-hmm. But I think it is so important to do this experimental, like what's going to actually provide the best experience. Right. Um, and you, you kind of alluded to something. That was a little bit like people don't necessarily know what they want till they're in it. Because I think you could have asked everyone about that (laughs) during the fueled course and said, like, do you want to hear from the experts? Do you want to have these like, you know, kind of town halls with the experts? And I guarantee most people would have been like, absolutely. I would definitely be there. Yeah. And then you get nine people showing up. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And the other thing I'm keen to see is if now that we've had the sort of provided some momentum in this initial um, initial call and an ongoing support from the community, for the community, I mean, whether more people show up for the expert talk, which is kind of then like dotted into other community building things that are part mm-hmm. of the, the value of the course. So mm-hmm. um, I'm keen to see like now on our expert talks that we're going to have those same 50 people come um, to talk to you because the, the woman who is running the community, who's a coach has like a different skill set. She's a community builder, different skill set than the expert themselves. Right? right. So then that person comes in for a separate kind of event. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to have more people on our expert Q and A's because it is very valuable for the people yeah. taking the course. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so switching gears from the e-course virtual world to the mm-hmm. in real life world. I mean, first of all, like, let's talk Kona here. 
how do you mentally like go from, you know, you're just online doing this e-course, you're very like deep in this and then boom, you're on a plane, you're in Hawaii and like suddenly all of your attention has to be shifted to like in real life. Like what's the difference mm-hmm. as far as the community goes from the virtual world to the IRL and how do you, oh, uh, how do you handle it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can give you a great answer to that question. Um, but I do think that the switch from being mostly online and provide like talking to communities online, doing podcasts, you know, do, being virtual um, to real life is a very easy transition because what happens is, especially at a place like the Ironman World Championship, Feisty was sort of founded by, like I was a triathlete. We have a lot of triathletes who are our employees and there's a lot of, we're fairly well-known um, mm-hmm. within the triathlon community. So suddenly you're in a place and people are coming up to you and they're like, hey, I listened to this podcast. Actually, I had several people come up and say, I listened to the business of fitness. I love it. You know, or like, thanks, Celine gets, you know, who is the host of Hit Play Not Pause gets a lot of people. People would come to our shop just to see Celine. You know, there's a lot of, there's a little celebrity, <laughs> celebrity status it. there. I know it's great, isn't it? Um, or, or all of our triathlon content. So people just like year after year have seen us there too. So mm-hmm. there's, there's, you get this positive in real life feedback that, as a business owner is very, like, it helps keep me going for sure. For sure. Like, it's the kind of thing that's like, thank you. Like, honestly, one person telling me that in real life, that they listen to a podcast and it affected them I know. is, is like amazing. Right. You, yeah. You know this too. Right. Oh yeah. Um, so that direction, pretty cool. Um, coming back, there's a big recovery window. Oh <laughs> so, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So first we're like, you know, we're off of our feet. Um, run off our feet working so essentially like we finished our engagement in Kona on Sunday on a Sunday and we had some wrap-up stuff to do for a couple days and then I gave everyone the rest of the week off Um, and so they could so they could recover Um, and even then coming back to then we were building I think we were oh selling the strong course after that was still even after almost a full week off was still a bit rough for people I think but I think they're mostly recovering also I think all of us need a little needed a little space for our introverted sides so it's just something that's even if even the extroverts in the group needed a little (laughs) little introversion moment so I think there was like it's a balance right Mm -hmm. like we could not continue to be running around Kona doing 12 hour 14 hour work days for weeks on end that has to end and then you come back and do something a little bit more calm if you will yeah yeah okay have to ask as a you know former professional Ironman triathlete uh which recovery was harder recovery from this or recovery from actually racing it (laughs) oh good question I always like I kind of always make the joke that like it's really hard it's like really hard to watch an Ironman (laughs) you know or like when you um actually on race day when you get up at when you get up at four in the morning to go cover it you if you're racing you do not feel that fatigue Right. But for us, like come 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm like asleep at brunch, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like you'd also, you wouldn't be able to avoid, or at least I wouldn't pre-race nerves. Like, you know, you're not racing. Doesn't matter. I feel like I would still have that like gut, like, oh God, oh God, where's the porta potty line? <laughs> yeah. Well, and well, yes, I, I, there is that. And I think this year we had it even more because essentially like, um, for, for those who don't know, Ironman had decided, like last year in Kona, we had a men's race on one day 
uh, or women's race on one day, two days later, we had the men's race. Um, and then the town of Kona said, that's too much, it's too many Ironmans in one week. We can't, we don't, we don't want all these people here essentially. And so Ironman had to decide whether they were going to shove everybody back into one day or continue to give women their own day. So in order to make that decision, the men went and raced in Nice in France in September. And so this was the first year that the women was only women racing at the Ironman World Championships in Kona. So we got the, we had the whole stage. And so there was this nervous, I say we, like I'm just collectively, hey, you're, you're collectively myself. part of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so then I was definitely nervous of the need around the need to execute. Yeah. Right? Like the, the need, burden the world of needs responsibility. Yes. Like for us, for example, like we're part of getting the world to watch. Like that was part of what I felt responsible for. Like, Hey, this is going to be amazing. Everybody watch this like raw, raw, the women, (laughs) the women are great. We can do it, you know, and the women themselves who are, who were there, there was a lot of talk ahead of time about how it was way too easy to qualify. Cause of course you have more slots than in previous years for the women. So of course people start saying it's too easy. Well, of course it's not too easy. It's really, really hard to qualify for an Ironman world championship. You have to be a great athlete. Um, and so all of those women who took their slots, like we just wanted the most amazing race. We wanted the pros to be able to put in an amazing race. We wanted them to be able to own the stage and the spotlight and like, just take it and run with it. And uh, like everybody absolutely did. <laughs> right? Which Mm -hmm. was what made it so incredible. And you could feel the excitement of that kind of rising during the week. So I think that if anything, I was nervous about that, like that we needed to see an amazing world-class race in in a women's only environment. Yep. Yep. And you sort of alluded to this before, like not only are you there in person doing activations, you're also posting all of these reels, doing all of this social media content, because you're also covering it for the outside world. So the the question I'm I'm posing here is how do you make an event go viral? Like we spoke about this offline a couple we weeks did. ago. And it's just such an interesting question because I mean that's basically what you were tasked with, right? Mm-hmm. Like how viral yeah. can you make this event go? So Yeah. And it's a great question. Like wouldn't it be amazing if I could just tell you like exactly yeah, yeah. how to make Yeah. (laughs) Just follow these simple steps. And this is how you can make your content go viral. Um, And then everyone could have a great business. Uh, So but but there are steps and there are like what it is. It's like almost anything else. It's like sport, too. Like there are steps you could take that make it more likely that you will go viral. Mm -hmm. Just like there's you could train for a race that make it and that makes it more likely that you'll have a good race. It's the same thing. Um, So I think like one thing is just plain people don't want to know this necessarily, but it's just plain quantity. Right. So if you are like, so when we went to pumping out, you know, we started with three pieces of content a day starting mid September. And then we went up to anywhere from four to six or seven, um, in the, like the two weeks before the race and then through, through the race, maybe a day or two after those were kind of our content goals and we definitely made some reels and stuff and sprinkled them in and made sure we had a whole content calendar of course but what you do is you get when you do that you get a lot of feedback really quickly yeah right so if like people had if people didn't like educational reels if people didn't like quote cards if people didn't like didn't think we were funny (laughs) I mean who wouldn't think we were funny but (laughs) if they didn't then you 
like then you know that immediately like can you know you need to pivot because you've got you've just got all of this content going out so actually mm-hmm. that's I guess that's two things so you're like putting out a bunch of quantity you have to use the feedback immediately and be willing to pivot to it um I think pivot based on the feedback that you get from the behind the scenes like from the Instagram stats essentially mm-hmm. or whatever platform you're using um and then I think also there are some things that we do know kind of work so we use like a multi approach so we had for example we we recorded the podcast live on YouTube and people could come watch now realistically we were like you know there's maybe 20 30 people showing up on YouTube commenting and I love those people like that's yeah they're you're you're serving the, the people who are the most interested in your content right like the kind of our immediate community like that's who's showing up there so it's like that's great then the podcast go out on the podcast feed the the reels are obviously going on instagram we had um a newsletter we had a daily newsletter so if people forgot if people somehow managed to forget they weren't online we were here to remind you you know so it's like not like i think people think when we're talking about social media that they're going to they're going to overwhelm people right? Like, oh, we're talking too much. We're saying we're being too loud or we're like, we don't want to like spam them. Right. Like there's no such thing as spam on your feed. (laughs) Well, yeah, this is it. Right. Like, so it's, if, if you're making good content, if people like your content, like they're free to unfollow, like they're, they're very free. Right. And if they're not, which I'm this is very unlikely. Most well, the most likely scenario is going to be that you're gaining followers if you create a lot of content. Then, you know, you're not spamming them. So it's just like get overcoming that fear of like just putting yourself out there again and again and again and again. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we spammed people. <laughs> that that would be on the list. Um, and then uh, what was my last one? Um, multiple things. Uh, and then I just think like, sorry, I lost my last point. <laughs> that is, that is quite all right. No, I think. Okay. So wait, let's, let me like, let me like ref- refresh. Let's recap. So it was, yeah. Let's recap. So first it was like, make tons of content, look at the stats and pivot when you need to, and then make, and also like make lots of content on different channels. So they're like reminded when they're seeing something, whatever. And then, oh, viral. See, I knew that would help. And then in terms of there are some things, if you try to make something go viral on Instagram or TikTok, like there are things that you can do that will help. Like there are trends that are already happening um, there and songs that are trending, um, jokes that are trending, right? Mm-hmm. So you can, if you know the platform really, really well, like if you hang, if you hang out there yourself in the community that's watching the type of content, like if you're one of the people that's um, taking in the content, the type of content that you want to make, then you will know, like, you'll know what's trending. And sometimes the, um, algorithm can work for you on Mm -hmm. a trending audio, um, or on a trending joke. So those are some of the things we tried to also plug into when we could, like we take like a triathlon twist on a joke that's already happening. And that worked for us, um, a few times as well. And that tends to work for a younger audience too. Like the younger millennials and Gen Z will be more involved in that conversation online. So, yeah. I do think that does bring up, though, a bit of, like, authenticity. And I talked about this with you in our first ever episode. You love doing, like, goofy reels. Like, mm-hmm. this is a thing that you genuinely enjoy, if I, I recall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, not everyone is going to naturally be great at that. And it's probably going to come across. So I think that's where the team aspect comes in, where it's like, you know, like, I am not great at videos. Like, it is just not mm-hmm. something I am. I don't like it. 
I'm not good at it. I can't do the like funny trends. I have no patience for it. So I don't do it. I would love to find someone who could do it for me. Um, But that's a whole other conversation. But I do think like you can't fake your way with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I and I and you shouldn't. And if you're a team of one like you are, like it's really about if you are onto something there, like you're like, I don't like to do that, I don't enjoy it, right? But we know that you are an excellent writer, for example, right? So if you need a podcast, I'm I'm gonna use you as an example now. I'm sure that you know all of this, but just for the sake of it, like if you recorded a podcast and wrote something on a similar topic, you would have so much content there in there to make reels with mm-hmm. or to make quote cards or to make um sort of some condensed informational type of like carousel posts uh, mm-hmm. so i think like one of the some of the stuff that went like mini viral for us like the like 10,000 to 20,000 views uh, which is still like a ton of people outside of our immediate immediate followers seeing yeah. our stuff was just like a quote from a podcast that was just put onto a video Right. Of like, so we had one about comfort level in the, in the ocean. Cause a lot of people aren't used to swimming in the open yeah. ocean. And it was advice that a coach had given on one of our podcasts. So we had this video of <laughs> Kelly O'Mara swimming out into the ocean and flipping over onto her back and just like enjoying. <laughs> and then over top of that video, we put just the quote, but you could use it, you know, it could be like a video that you have of you riding your bike mm-hmm. and then you have whatever content you need on top of that about, making your dreams come true or whatever it is. Right. So I think um, there are definitely ways to think about like, how can I make several pieces of content out of like what I already have and the things I'm good at. hundred percent. Yeah. Love that. Ah, okay. We need to, we need to shift gears once again, because you just do so many different things. Um, So we've now talked about e-courses in real life events, and now we're getting into furthering education. So like your PhD wasn't enough. You had to go do the women's leadership program at Yale. And I'm doing like really fancy hands here. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which, I think the only reason you had to recap all of those things about Iron Man was so you could show off your Halloween nails. My Halloween nails. They're a little outdated. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But okay. Okay. First of all, why? Why do this women's leadership program at Yale give us sort of the the background of like what all went into it? How did you make this decision to do this? Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up because I, you know, I haven't told many people (laughs) that I did this program. Like it was like, I just kind of did. Like, I know that I told you and I told you because there are things, there's value that I got from it that I do want to share. So I'm very glad that you brought this up, but I do feel a little apologetic about like, um, being overly educated kind of <laughs> like, it's like, do I, do I really need more education? Like, that's how I felt when I was making the decision. Like, I don't need to be educated anymore. I also don't, I just yes. want to say this was <laughs> yes the answer is yes it's always yes, so yes. fun to do these <laughs> totally and so I like before I just like as I was deciding I was like I, oh sorry before I answer your question I wanted I also want to say like I don't think courses are are nece- completely necessary for entrepreneurs all the time so this Love was it. a time when like I spent real money like I really invested in myself to take this course because I thought it was precisely what I needed but there are other times when I've thought about doing courses and decided no because I'm just going to learn the things in real life um Mm -hmm. which um anyway but because we were creating online courses and because I felt like I needed to really understand and develop my leadership skills as feisty grows I thought this is probably well placed for me so um it was actually a women's leadership course 
Um, and it was for business executives and you could just, it is Yale, but you can just sign up. <laughs> like, you don't, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I wasn't specially chosen. <laughs> <laughs> just have to make that clear. Okay. Sarah is not special, everyone. Not, um. Yeah. To be clear, I'm not special, um, but I did. Yeah, I did. Like, I loved the course. I loved the process of the course and it did really help me. Like it was um, exactly what I needed. I wanted to see how an organization like Yale was executing on online education because that's what we're doing. Um, and also I was able to develop my, well, I was able to feel more confident about my leadership skills through the course. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the leadership thing is is something that I always kind of shy away from personally. Like I just find, for, I think it's probably because I never want to have like a lot of employees. Uh, so I find it just very like, ah, oh, no, no, no. Um, unless it's leadership of like my team of one, me. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, what what were you hoping to learn from it? And like, what was, or what were a couple of maybe the top takeaways? Like what problem were you trying to solve? Yeah. That's a great question because I, I, the problem I was trying to solve was exactly the problem I was able to solve, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure that was going to happen when I went in. So I was, I recognized that I was starting to feel a little bit of imposter syndrome around like now being like the CEO of a growing company, right? I'm like, oh man, do I really know how to lead this team? Like, am I sure that my, like I have certain leadership instincts, if you will, that I was starting to question, like, and, and I've had, I've been doing this long enough. I've been doing this for six years. So I'm like, are my instincts right? I've had enough problems. I've had enough challenges to actually question that. Is there something that I need to do or update or, you know? Um, and so that's kind of what I really wanted to know. Um, and so essentially the course took me through these stages of, and it was, this was exactly what I needed was we, in the first couple modules, we, we did the internal work of figuring out like what our values are, right. Which was like kind of cool. And like how our values, how we're applying those values to our businesses right now, or to, there was a lot of ex executives in there, people who were leading teams, but in a bigger company. Um, so we were like reflecting together about this. And then secondly, we had to do this really cool, this really cool um to call it project where we sent 10 people this form where they had to tell us one it was supposed to be three times I let people do one to three because it, it was a three is a lot but like a time when they saw us um performing our best <laughs> like and so and so getting this feedback back so imagine like 10 people giving one to that's a lot of examples of like so it gives you this 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 um what you call it context for how people see you as a leader right mm -hmm. and how they when they see you performing their best and also it's because it's their perspective you're like under start to understand how you're adding value for people mm -hmm. right Ooh, um yeah and the interesting thing was that that the exercise we they, it was only positive like we didn't then also, this was because this was part of the question that I had, because for me, I'm all about thinking about people that I'm working with as like they have leveraging people's strengths together to, cre to create like the best business possible. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I really think that that's it. Like I'm not about criticism and criticism comes hard to me. Like it does, it's not natural. It's not my natural instinct to be like, you're doing this thing wrong. Like I actually just don't even see it. I kind of tend to think, oh, maybe we're in, maybe you're in the wrong direction. How can we use your skills better? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, so 
that's my instinct. And so actually having, you know, actually having an organization like Yale University's executive leadership course, show me the studies that are saying, yeah, actually you're right. <laughs> it actually was like very validating. You know, I remember one, and this is, it's like um, a bit self-perpetuating really, but like where you, where they did a study where they gave, um, they gave a team, they split up this team and they gave the first group, they gave them only like constructive criticism, quote unquote. Second one, they gave them five for their review. You know, they gave them five pieces of feedback four were positive. These are all the things to do doing great. One was like constructive criticism, right? And then another group where they gave them five pieces of positive feedback about their job and what they were doing. And the people that improved the most in their job performance was the group that got only positive feedback. Ooh, right? And the group it. that, yeah, even the group that got one piece of negative sandwich between like in, in you know, you know, the sandwich thing, positive, yep. negative, positive. Yep. Sandwiched in is like the, the, that group, all they could remember was the negative one when they were exactly. interviewed later. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I think I'm going to say, especially as women, like we tend to remember every tiny piece of criticism, whether it's like self-criticism or like something that like a teacher said to us when we were like seven, like it sticks. Whereas mm -hmm. I can't tell you like the last nice thing someone said, like, because it just kind of usually goes in one ear and out the other. So I think that's so important and like that works because then people lean into the stuff that they're actually good at, right? Like you don't really necessarily want an organization where everyone's working on fixing their weaknesses. You want something where everyone's playing to their strengths, right? Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So then, yeah. And then my, like my tendency tends to be to, um, to work with and if people aren't being like how can we challenge you more like how can we develop you're still developing skills and you're still mm -hmm. like moving forward together but you're not necessarily it's not necessarily under this this like critic fear of criticism or it's not because you're pointing out something critical which like and again it comes that doesn't come naturally to me so i don't really know what that would even look like for me anyway so then <laughs> So then we got this feedback. So first we had our values, then we got feedback about how, when we were performing best and we had to like correlate that and put it into like, okay, when am I, figure out like when am I performing best? Like what we think obviously has a, um, like has a factor in there too, right? And then we had to create strategies for our business in which we were like using our values um, and leveraging the ways in which we were having the most impact on people um, in our leadership role. Uh, and so that was like, that was amazing and fascinating to me. Um, and I learned a lot about myself and it helped me really lean into some of those things. I was a little bit scared of leaning in. So for example, like my values were coming out as like empathy I value empathy. I'm listening to people. I'm collaborative. I love like hearing everybody else's ideas before I make a decision. Um, critical thinking was one. Like I definitely like to, I like critical thinking. I like when someone brings me some like some different idea, you know, or like when we're just like parsing out like all the details of something that I love too. So like all of these things I was able to create into, okay, that's like, those are my values. This is how we're this is how I'm already, I can hear from people that those are the things that they already like about um, the way that I'm running the business. And so I can lean into that more. So mm -hmm. that's why it helped me. Um, the, oh, the other part I will, um, I would mention is, is that we had an entire module on innovation 
which was mind blowing to me because we tend to think that innovation is an idea. Like you sit and you come up with an idea, but actually there's like several different ways to innovate and none of them have anything to do with having a new idea. Right. So the closest to having a good idea would be connecting the dots on existing ideas that create a new idea, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but a lot of innovation in reality and business comes from, or in technology even comes from a different way of creating systems. So if you change the way, for example, if you change the way your team communicates, so like in a positive way, if you innovate the communication stream, you can change the outcomes, right? Or you can innovate in outcome. Or if you change um, like the systems, like in terms of how you, like in terms of how you're trying to get your new direction for the business in the first place. So mm-hmm. for example, like, so we looked into like how, how we tend to network as individuals. Are you someone who has the same group of inner circle of three that you always talk to? Or are you someone who's out talking to lots of different people all the time? Right. And if you're one, maybe leaning into the other thing can bring new ideas back to your network. Or if you don't have a tight network, like maybe going back to some of the people that you value the most from your bigger circle, you know, there were all of these different ways of like starting to create new ways of thinking about things that I was just, I was blown away by. I like that a lot because I think that really lends itself to talking about, you know, as we're going to talk about the business accelerator here, I think a lot of people think that you're right. They need to come up with like the next great big idea rather than, you know, maybe figuring out how to tweak something that already exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's going to be hugely, hugely helpful. So, you know, part of the nice thing is you have all of these new takeaways and you're heading to Endurance Exchange down in North Carolina in just a couple months. So January 4th and 5th, you're doing the Feisty Business Conference, which is sort of a offshoot of last year's Outspoken. Yeah. So do you want to give us the the who, what, when, where, why, how, all the all the fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. So we are, yeah, it is the day before the Endurance Exchange Conference, which is um, the like USA Triathlon's big conference for coaches, uh, for the industry, for athletes themselves. So we were there last year. There was probably about 500 people there. I'm expecting there to be more this year um, at that conference itself. And so we are providing an extra day beforehand for women who are running small businesses in the space, in particular coaches, because the feedback we got was that there are a lot of, there's a lack of female coaches mm-hmm. in probably every sport, but in this particular mm-hmm. case in triathlon and or cycling. I know that mm-hmm. um, USA Cycling is a, um, it's a partner for at this conference as well. Uh, and, but that the female coaches were having difficulty cr- turning it into their full-time job. Yep. Um, just getting from that place where it's where they're where they're perhaps coaching a handful of people after work to the place where they and they want to make it their full time job for a lot of them, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's like that is I'd say that is like the core of the people we're trying to serve. Although there are other you know like you saw it outspoken, there's other people who have amazing businesses in the space and are trying to get it. A lot of solopreneurs, quote unquote, yep. who are trying to get to that next level. So for sure, those and are I mean, the people. Coaching can also, you know, that can be like sports, psych, mental performance, uh, you know, even nutrition, dietitians, like all of that, basically, like any of those like 
like kind of that one-on-one coaching type thing. It doesn't have to just be, here's your training plan. There's so many different mm-hmm. ways to like consider coaching. Um, so I think this is such a useful thing because you're right. Like that's, you know, a lot of what we hear on here is people are, they have clients, they have a, mm-hmm. a couple things going, but like, what is that next, that next step? And what, you know, mm-hmm. how do you make that jump? Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, it's both terrifying and also like genuinely difficult. Like, I think we're so tempted to say, oh, it's imposter syndrome and it's just fear-based and like take the leap. But you're like, I mean, no, like a lot of these people, like we're not making enough money to just take that right. leap. And it's yeah. kind of crappy advice to just be like, well, you just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just do what? Yeah. So like this is, and this is exactly the problems that we're hoping to help people solve. Like, so you'll be able to come to some of the workshops, for example, and like either if you don't have a website, learn what that means, how to do basic level SEO for your website. So people can find you on Google or like practical stuff like that. Or if you have a website, actually get a review from Catherine, who's on, um, who's a feisty core team member she'll be able to she reviews websites all the time she knows how to do this she can review it help update it help update the language the imagery etc to help you get more clients um so that could that's just an example of like social media of course is another one um that we'll talk a lot about i think a lot of people are hesitant around social media how to do it if they're doing the right thing they Mm -hmm. don't see immediate results and then they're scared to put time into it um that kind of thing. I think we'll probably touch on podcasting and writing, like writing things that people will actually read. Um, Always helpful. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Always helpful. Yeah. And then I definitely want to help people lean into that, like the side that we just talked about, like you did say, like you did say, oh, um, it's imposter syndrome and just like, don't be scared. Just go for the leap, which is like true, but like actually going through a process of like, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And what does taking the leap mean? So like part of it is that practical stuff of like, okay, taking the leap does mean doing this for your website, like that part of it. But then part of the answers are also doing the internal work. Like to, you have to do, you have to work at it to get uncomfortable with being, or to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, It it is, again, I, I use sport a lot, but it is a lot like sport like and training you have to be comfortable with with being physically uncomfortable and I think for to start your own business you have to be comfortable with being mentally uncomfortable and with not knowing yeah right and there are things you can do to become more comfortable with that so I think that's some of the stuff that I'm hoping to help people with as well yeah yeah there's definitely ways to be smart about setting yourself up to succeed in it not just the like all right, I'm quitting the day job tomorrow and we're just hitting go. There's, we can work out a timeline and figure this out, make yeah. this actually happen. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and so that you're ready when, like when mm-hmm. the day comes. Exactly, yeah. Now, do people have to be at Endurance Exchange in order to come? Or if they happen to be in North Carolina in the area and want to pop in, can they register? Yeah, yeah. if you live near North Carolina, um, you can register at feistybusiness.com. You can register just for the accelerator. So I believe it's like one day and a little half day, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a huge long thing. So it is definitely, you should probably be within striking distance to make it worth your while, unless you want to come also on the USAT website uh, for endurance, or sorry, the endurance exchange website, you can buy a combined ticket too, and you get a little discount uh, for that. So if you are um, a triathlete or a cyclist or a coach, or if you're in that world, uh, definitely consider going to 
endurance exchange as well, because it's also valuable. This is something we'll talk about at the business accelerator, but also it's very good for networking. 100%. That is networking is so important. And that's another thing that I'm going to cover at the um, business accelerator is like, how did you networking well? <laughs> Which is so convenient because then it starts the next day. So everyone will be like see, fresh yeah. in mind, like top of mind. Yeah. Oh, that'll be fantastic. You can practice. Yeah. Love it. With I like love it. 500 like-minded people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it's amazing what those trade show type things can do. Like Interbike was the big cycling one. And, you know, I went to that a few times, like, and this is 15 yeah. years ago. That is still where the bulk of my contacts and cycling came from. Is just like mm-hmm. that one weekend in Vegas. So yep. yeah, and ten we, out of we ten were, recommend. I saw you at Sea Otter this year, yeah, right? Because yeah. we're all trying to figure out what's what uh, what the new interbike. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yep. same same type of thing. Like exactly, you know, yeah. making contacts. And sometimes the first year, I'll just say one thing here is like sometimes the, the first year is like not the year. You know, like if you don't feel bad if you walk away without any contacts and you're like I felt a little scared as our conversations I didn't want to you know that's okay yeah. like my experience has been that it's a multi-year build um into knowing the right people and the right and getting the right contacts but it it can it it, it happens it, it happens for it happened for me it can happen mm-hmm. well like I say I think it's genius that you're doing this the day prior so at least people will have had like made like a few friends Mm. Uh, heading into it right it's a lot easier I find to like network if you're walking around with someone else uh, Mm -hmm. versus when it's it's just you so maybe that's actually like our number one pro tip here is like if if you can bring a friend or like even just find some one person to like start your wandering around with I feel like that is just such a huge help I love that. That's another great reason to come to the to business accelerator ahead of make time. Make a friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Make a friend. Make lots of friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay. So that's at feistybusiness.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. So everyone should definitely go check that out. Sarah, as always, this was such a pleasure. Where can everyone find, follow, listen to you and all the other fun, feisty stuff? I mean, we don't have time to read off like literally everything, but highlights. <laughs> Highlights. I was as you were asking the question, I was like, "Oh, what should I say?" <laughs> um, yeah, I think right now we're we're super focused on uh, women's sports through the Feist newsletter, um, and you know we're going into an Olympic Games here in 2024, so definitely definitely follow Feisty underscore Media uh, on Instagram. And if you and then if you're interested in the other things, or if you're in menopause, perimenopause, want to follow that, or if you're a triathlete or a cyclist, you can find everything you need from there. Um, so that I'm Sarah at Sarah.gross on Instagram. I think I, I think I changed my um, name to Feisty CEO at some point. Um, so yeah, if you search up Feisty CEO or my name, you'll find me there. Pretty fun. And then our website is livefeisty.com. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was as always a pleasure. Thanks, Molly. Thanks so much for tuning into the Business of Fitness podcast. Hopefully you got a lot from this episode and hopefully it's going to help you with your business in the fitness industry. Make sure you're following along with me over at at Molly J. Herford and at business.of.fitness over on Instagram. Keep up with Feisty over at livefeisty.com for tons of fun stuff. And of course, if you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave us a rating and review. Thanks so much and we'll see you soon.